Well, hello, everyone. This is Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTraining.com and TTFatLoss.com. Here with another great seven-day fat-burning coaching call to help get you through the week. And we're going to talk about some fast food options and plenty of transformation tips. Now, I'm actually off to Panama, Panama City, Panama, this week for seven days. It should be very interesting. I've already looked online for gyms, and it looks like the Power Club is the best gym in the city to try out. So I'm going to check that at least one day. I'm a little disappointed there's not a Gold's Gym down there yet, but uh, there certainly is one in Panama City, Florida, but that doesn't help me for Panama City, Panama. Now, I'm also taking some unique body weight workouts, too, and I'm going to have a full report on that next week, plus everything that uh, I find healthy about Panama City. So if I find that there's an abundance of fruits and vegetables and great meals, I'll definitely be back to tell you about it. All right, but let's get started with our seven days of fat burning and our transformation tip of the week for Monday, February 21st. There's actually two quotes here. First one comes from Dan Kendi, who's a business guy, but I think he has a really great quote. And I may have shared this with you before, but I said, but he said, you could just as easily change your life today as you can on New Year's Day. New opportunity is a matter of choice, not calendar. So I know a lot of people, you know, we're about uh, six or seven weeks in. People may have had frustrating times. They may uh, be thinking of quitting. And I'm here to urge you not to quit. I'm here to urge you to start again if you need to. Because every day is a fine day to start again and to make improvements. Now, there's another quote here from a guy named Simon Black who says, It's easy to postpone the decision to make changes and construct a solid plan. Life has a way of keeping everyone very busy and often focused on short-term issues that blur long-term needs. I really want to impress upon you the need to take action now. And now Simon is a friend of mine, and he is not talking about fat loss there, but it really does apply to fat loss and to health. But he's actually talking about uh, taking care of your finances, and he runs a website called SovereignMan.com, and I'm actually going to his conference down in Panama this week. And so he is someone who I highly recommend you look up. Just look up Simon Black on the Internet. You'll get uh, directed to his blog. And he shows you how to protect yourself financially and many other ways in what I and Simon believe is going to be some turbulent years coming up. So I don't want to get all political on you, but uh, definitely some good stuff to read. All right, now into our training tips, which is what you're here for not here for me to lecture you on anything else, but the training tips are going to be about my workouts this week, and first I want to share a couple funny stories with you. I'm not sure if I ever told you about the time that I watched a trainer instruct his client to stand on a BOSU ball, and if you know what a BOSU ball, it's that half ball, and so he was standing on this BOSU ball, the client, he's wearing boxing gloves, the client's wearing boxing gloves, and the trainer's standing behind the client, and the client was instructed to you know, not punch backwards, but to slap his arms backwards into the uh, punching pads that the trainer was holding behind him. It was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen because it didn't make any sense to me. And I was, you know, fairly speechless. And like I said, up until that time, that was the craziest exercise I'd ever seen. Very ridiculous. And then at the same gym, a couple weeks later, I watched a different trainer instruct his client to put the back foot, his back, the client's back foot on a BOSU ball, 
and then stand his front foot on an upended dumbbell, and he had him do split squats. Now, this type of behavior makes me want to run from the fitness industry and quit because every time a person sees a trainer do that, I get associated with the same industry. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is just so silly. And everybody knows those are bad idea exercises. And yet here's a trainer getting paid, and this is downtown Toronto, so they're getting paid at least $75 an hour to have people do that. It's it's borderline criminal. So I really do urge you to do smart training. And speaking of smart training, in my own training, I've become a little smarter. As you know, I'm a bit of a meathead. I don't do stupid stuff like the exercises I described before. But I've put in extra warm-up, now really long warm-up, uh, bodyweight circuits here, and my body is really improving uh, in terms of going to the next level in terms of reduced back pain despite the training stresses I put on it from the advanced lifting that I do. And just overall, I don't have any soreness and reducing a little bit of back pain that I had from a, from a, a fall last year or two years ago. And so what I'm doing is I'll go in the gym, and I'm going to share you with, with you the bodyweight circuit warm-up I do for a lower body workout. So I'll go in and I'll do a bird dog exercise, or I'll do something called a bird dog abduction, where I do a regular bird dog, but when my leg is extended out, I will take it out to the side as well, and that puts more work on the glute. So I'll do bird dogs, then I'll do something like a bodyweight squat, and then I'll do a duck under exercise, which is hip mobility. Then I'll go down to the ground, and I'll do a hip extension, and I'll just hold that top position. I call it a glute squeeze, and I'll hold that for 30 to 60 seconds, just squeezing the glutes, activating the glutes. A lot of people have a lot of problem with, with that, and just bridging and focusing on the tension in the glutes and minimizing tension in the low back, so that warms up that body part. Then I'll do a plank. Then I'll get up and do a prisoner lunge. Then I might do some static stretchings for the uh, hip flexors or the upper body, um, also, uh, arm crosses, you've seen that in some of my warm-ups, stick-ups, shoulder mobility stuff. I do something called a co- uh, Cossack lunge. So you're in a very wide stance, and you start going side to side, and you slowly get low, and it looks like you're doing a Russian dance, and you get as low as you can while giving dynamic warm-up to the groin area. And then I'll do a little bit of uh, jumping just on the balls of my feet, to activate my uh, neuromuscular system as I get into the more advanced exercises. So that's my bodyweight circuit, and I might go through some of those exercises twice, or I might just do a whole bunch of those exercises once. And it does take about 12 to 15 minutes, but I've learned something from a guy named Martin Rooney, who uh, trains a lot of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts guys and professional athletes. Their warm-ups are taking 20 minutes, and now I have a little bit longer to train than the 45 minutes you might have to train. But they're doing warm-ups that will, to some people might feel like a workout itself. So I'm starting with that, moving into that sort of stuff for my training. I'm going to find the most efficient way to pass it on in turbulence training workouts to increase the results you can get. And so after that, then I move into a box squat or a regular squat. I'm working up to my five repetition maximum or sets of five, and then I do something called a glute ham raise, which is a hamstring exercise, and then I'll do a maybe a single leg exercise, like a pistol or a reverse lunge, and then a stability ball plank for my 
abdominal stability. And so seems like not very much work, but there's quite a few warm-up sets as I build up to that 5RM squat. And again, because I've done all that protective work in the bodyweight warm-up, it ends up being about a 45 to 60-minute workout. And I'm making excellent progress with minimal discomfort. And so uh, we'll be talking a lot about that. I'll be doing some videos for YouTube and all sorts of stuff. And you're definitely going to see that information. I've got two new programs coming out, Turbulence Training, Beginner Turbulence tor- Training, or sorry, Torso Training for uh, 2011. That one's almost done and ready. And then I have a program coming out for March called TT Switch, uh, Igniting the Fat Burning Switch. And it really is a switch-up program. So it's really got a lot of different stuff in there compared to regular turbulence training programs. All right, that is coming out soon, but let's move into this week's research review now. And the study is from the journal Circulation, and it's called Aerobic Interval Training Versus Continuous Moderate Exercise as a Treatment for the Metabolic Syndrome. So this is a study that compared interval training, but aerobic interval training, so longer intervals. And it was uh, compared to continuous exercise. And the metabolic syndrome is a group of metabolic risk factors that includes high blood pressure, insulin resistance, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, abdominal obesity, arterial inflammation, everything that comes before type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And what they found was after 16 weeks, these longer aerobic intervals were shown to improve aerobic capacity and reverse the risk factors of the metabolic syndrome better than continuous moderate exercise even though the workouts, the interval training workouts were of shorter duration. And this was, again, for people who were overweight and obese and in their 50s. And so this is the third study now that I've shared on these calls showing that interval training is either better tolerated by beginners or gives more health benefits for beginners. So big question I always get is can uh, beginners do interval training? And it looks like they should be doing interval training. Plus, we even had one study where we had the cardiac rehab patients using interval training and preferring interval training. So it's multiple, multiple studies now we're seeing in highly regarded peer-reviewed journals that support interval training over steady-state cardio. These are the real deal. All right, into a Wednesday, another workout from me. I got another big warm-up, and it's an upper body warm-up, so it's a little bit different than the one I shared the other day. The exercises that have been most helpful to me, who, because I've had problems with, um, I believe it was my infraspinitis and my rotator cuff, and I've been using uh, tubing for rotator, external rotations. I've found much better than using a cable for external rotations, and I got a great idea from a guy named Joe DeFranco, who trains NFL players. He uh, recommended doing 100 band pulls almost every day, so... A band pull is where you just stand up. You're holding a a resistance band with light to moderate tension. So when you pull the band apart, you're going to pull the band apart by squeezing your shoulder blades together and pulling your elbows back. And it shouldn't be difficult to do the first one because you're going to do 25 of these. And so you do 25 of those, and you do that four times. You do a couple in your your warm-up and a couple at the end of your workout. And I did it on uh, Monday for the first time after – before and after an upper body workout, and my upper back felt tremendous for the rest of the day, and I've had problems with the uh, the rotator cuff a little bit, just muscular, some salt, 
I haven't torn it or anything, but also just from posture, from sitting in front of the computer. And I felt tremendous all day, and I feel tremendous today. I did it again before, a lower body workout. And I'm really going to add that in, and I think that you might want to consider it too if you have some upper back problems. So what I do for my extended warm-up before upper body workouts is I'll come up and I'll do my arm crosses. I'll do a prone stick-up where my chest is on a bench, and I'm doing the regular stick-up motion. Uh, you can squeeze between your shoulder blades a little bit more. Then I'll do a little bit of stretching for the chest and for the rotator cuff, and then I'll do a T push-up. So I want to do a push-up with some mobility in there. And then I'll do W, Y, and T movements while uh, my chest is on a stability ball. And then I'll do the band pulls or I'll do the tubing external rotations. And so I do all of those, plus probably I'll do some stretching for the lower body just because it's going to be a little tight from the workout before. I almost always do the hip flexor stretch once or twice at the beginning. And so after I've done all that, then I move into some specific warm-up sets for my bench press. I'm using chains with my bench presses now. So when you use chains, when you hook chains over the end of the bar on both sides, what you're doing is something called accommodating resistance because you're strongest at the top of the bench press and weakest at the bottom. So what you do is you make sure that when you're, when you're at the top of the bench press motion, the chains are just touching the ground. There's maybe a link or two on the ground because if they're off the ground, then they sway too much. But there's enough chains so that it, it hangs down from the bar and touches the ground. And I probably got about 20 pounds on each side. And so there's 20 pounds of added resistance at the top. And then as I lower the weight, the chain collects on the ground and now I'm only really benching the barbell weight and weights on there. And then as I press up, the chain weight gets added gradually. So it accommodates to my, to what's called the strength curve. So you're strongest at the top, weakest at the bottom. And it's a, a way I'm going to train my bench press for now. I'm going to pair that with dumbbell chest supported rows. And then I'm going to do some lockout pressing for my tricep close grip lockout pressing paired with a dumbbell row, heavy dumbbell row, three sets of six there. And then I might do some push-ups, some uh, additional tubing rotation, and the band pulls. And that's it. So those are the two workouts I'm going to share with you this week. Next week I'll come back with more, the other two workouts of my four-day-per-week program. Now into Trainer Thursday. I want to show the trainers how little it takes for many brand-new clients to lose weight, Okay. So this study is from 2008. It's a couple years old. It's from the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, and it's called Weight Loss During the Intensive Intervention Phase of the Weight Loss Maintenance Trial. And it's from the Center for Health Research from the Kaiser Permanente Group in uh, Portland, Oregon. So they had almost 1,700 overweight and obese adults. They actually had 80% of those 1,685 people were obese, and 87% were taking blood pressure medication, and 40% were taking medication to control their cholesterol. And they had subjects attend 20 weekly group sessions that encouraged calorie restriction, moderate intensity physical activity, and the uh, government-approved DASH diet, which is the dietary approaches to stop hypertension. And basically, all they did was those 20 sessions, kind of gave them some information, sent them out on their own. And what they found was... First of all, that participants attended an average of 72% of the group sessions. So 72% of the people got adequate 
social support. Or sorry, the people got adequate social support 72% of the time. So maybe they came in for 14 or 15 group sessions out of 20. And all they were doing was self-reporting moderate physical activity, and they averaged about two hours. That's it, two hours of moderate physical activity. They tended to keep daily food records for four days of the week, and they only consumed three servings of fruits and vegetables per day. Yet they managed to lose about 13 pounds in, what was it, six months there, I believe? Less than six months, closer to uh, five months. And 70% of the people lost almost 10 pounds. So they weren't doing hardly anything except getting a little bit of social support, monitoring their diet with the food records, not even really eating very well, and hardly getting any exercise, but they managed to lose some weight. And it was the diet records and physical activity that were associated with most of the weight loss variation. So it means the more you kept the diet record and the more activity you did, the greater your weight loss. So the researchers concluded that behavioral intervention successfully helps people lose weight in the short term, even in a high-risk population set. So that means you know, high risk of you know, being obese and being unhealthy. So here are three recommendations you need to give your clients. First of all, get them on a training journal. If they only come to see you once a week or once a month, just make sure they're writing down what they're doing. Number two, make sure they write down their food journal. Research has shown time and again that you know, writing down what you eat or taking photos of what you eat, sharing what you eat, helps people eat better. And I do want to share a couple of fast food options. And, uh, you know, certainly not the fast food you might be thinking of, not burgers or fries. But first of all, technically your clients can get grilled chicken sandwiches and subs from Wendy's, McDonald's, Subway, etc. But as any person who knows a little bit about nutrition, the quality of the food there is going to suffer from factory farming. There's no way that those companies can make a profit and not, you know, have mass-produced food. Now, obviously, at Subway, the fruits, the uh, sorry, the vegetables there, they look pretty good. I mean, the green peppers, the onions, the mushrooms, you're getting some vegetables there. But really, you're also getting that bread, and, and I hate going to Subway because of that smell that is on your clothes when you leave of that bread. Um, but, you know, the chicken breast patties there, certainly not the highest quality chicken breast that you're getting or that you could get. So... Understand that, yes, you can go and control your calories and minimize the amount of sugar and trans fats that you consume from a fast food meal by eating at those places, but you need to use your good judgment. Minimize cheese, no fries, avoid sugary drinks. That's what you need to do. Common sense. And preferably get as many fruits and vegetables as possible, even though you're eating at those types of places. I know McDonald's has more uh, salads on their menu than ever before. And finally, I want to mention uh, a new restaurant chain. My friend owns one of these, so I always want to put in a good word for the Freshy restaurant chain. He has a location in Mississauga for anybody that uh, is listening from the Toronto area at the Heartland Mall. And again, I'm really giving him a plug here, but I go there almost every time that I drive from Toronto to uh, Stratford. And you can go to their website, freshy.com. So it's fresh and then two I's, so F-R-S-H-I-I.com. To find a location near you, there's, there are plenty in um, major American cities and, you know, branching out over Canada. And you'll go there and you'll get excellent, excellent salad options. You'll get uh, 
chicken and uh, chicken and rice bowls and all that type of stuff. Uh, I usually get a veggie burrito or I get one of the um, combination uh, vegetable uh, vegetarian rice dishes, and you know they actually have avocado and they have a really big salad selection, and you can go in there for breakfast as well. So, highly recommend that as your fast food lunch option. All right, let's move into Facebook Friday. And I'm doing a lot of Q&A sessions over at TurbulenceTrainingFanPage.com, so make sure you drop by and ask a question if you need any help. So this question is actually from the Turbulence Training Manual, because I didn't do any uh, Q&As this week because I've been quite busy. So I wanted to uh, cover this one because I also talked a little bit about some tips for managing your time on Facebook this week. So this is my Facebook question, and it was, I work 50 to 70 hours per week and have a young family. How do I fit exercise into my day? And so what we want people to do is get people to commit to at least 30 minutes of exercise per day, preferably. And what you're going to do is if you're using turbulence training, you could do resistance training one day for 25 minutes and interval training the next day for 20 minutes and alternate back and forth. Or what you could simply do is two resistance training workouts per week and one interval training per week. And then, you know, just try and stay active with maybe a family walk or something for 30 minutes. But definitely stay off the couch moving around for 30 minutes. It could be 30 minutes of yard work, whatever. But try and get in three hard workouts per week and on those four other days stay active. So you might need to experiment with different exercise times so that you can work out with disrupting your family events. And I'm going to talk about what I've done in a little bit. Uh, So I've changed my workout schedule around. There simply is no magic exercise time in terms of results. What really matters is that you're consistent. And so some people get up early and some people work out late. And really, it's up to you to find your your time. So you can do it whenever the kids go to bed or during a break in the day. Maybe you have a a work option at your uh, office. You can go into the gym there, hopefully. So, you know, you really should find something to do because exercise will give you more energy throughout the rest of the day. And even Richard Branson, the the billionaire, he, he has said, Uh, To a friend of mine, he said that an hour of exercise gives him an extra four hours of productivity per day, which is a powerful statement from a guy who has a lot of money and runs a lot of businesses and has a family and travels all over the world. And he's consistent with his exercise because he knows what it does for him. So I want to share this quote with you from a guy named John Mason, and I have no idea who John Mason is, but he said, gain control of your time and you'll gain control of your life. And I know people are busy. I know people have a lot of kids in their family and and all that sort of thing. But here are two of the things that I've done that have really helped me gain control of my time. And they're not going to be anything magic bullet-wise, and they're not certainly anything that's going to make you any cooler in the world. But early to bed, early to rise has been incredibly helpful to me. And going to bed and getting up at the same time seven days per week which is probably even harder than going to bed early, both of those have been super powerful for me. Uh, You know, you can get a lot of work done before everyone else gets up. You can do your workout. Make sure you do an extra warm-up because of uh, how you're – what happens when you sleep is that there's a lot of uh, fluid settling into the discs in your spinal column. And so if you – wake up in the morning, you need to do an extra warm-up if you're going to do any lower body or any bending-type movements uh, so that you don't have a have an injury of a herniated disc. But aside from that, 
people are getting up. You know, the CEOs that I used to train when I was training a lot of people, they were all they were always my early morning clients because they had to get it done. Because if they didn't do it then, they wouldn't get it done later in the day. And you know, these days I'm up at five o'clock, and really it didn't take that long once I got serious about getting up at that time to get up at that time. And I've trained at three o'clock in the morning. I've trained at four o'clock in the morning when I've had to go away for the weekend with no uh, with limited exercise time during my travels because I want to get it done and nothing's going to stop me. And you have to have that same attitude of just finding a way to get it done. And I've also trained late at night. I've trained at 1 a.m. after a travel day because that's the only time I had to train and I really wanted to get the training done because I do take that pretty seriously. And so if you have that will, you will find a way. So those are simple solutions if you want more control of your life and I know that uh, it's hard to fight against going, you know, against staying up a little bit longer at night. You know, if you've if you've got a habit where you watch some TV or something. But the great news about TV these days is you can find almost all of it online the next day, so you don't have to watch, you know, The Office at nine o'clock every night or every Thursday night when it's going to be on Hulu or whatever uh, website the next day, and you can watch it at any time. So we're really running out of excuses. So I hope that you take those to uh, heart. And if you really, really want to improve the amount of stuff you get done, the productivity and energy you have, get up earlier and then stick to that even on the weekends. And I read that so many times before I finally did it in uh, a couple years ago. And, you know, when I go to Vegas, I get off my schedule or – you know, when I go on holiday, I get off my schedule. But most of the time, unless there's a big event on the weekend, I stick to that schedule. And I'm, you know, on when Monday comes around, I'm not dragging my butt like 90% of the people are. All right, so enough lecturing. And now we'll get into social support Saturday. 30 minutes of fun activity. And then here's an interesting research study, which uh, certainly is uh, open to interpretation. But it was a 2008 study. And they found that dieters who had a financial incentive to lose weight were five times more likely to meet their goal when compared with dieters who had no money on the line. Now, that study's fine, but the way people have interpreted it, uh, I'm not exactly thrilled with. Um, So companies are now out there trying to get governments to pay for what are called healthy living vouchers. And, you know, they claim that because we're in a a rewards-based culture that people should be giving money to people to get healthy. And I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I don't think we should have to pay people to get healthy. I really think that, uh, you know, there's some personal responsibility that people need to take in terms of choosing, choosing to get healthy. And, you know, maybe they can find a way to put their own money on the line, but I'm not really sure that uh, the government has money to be paying people to get healthy even though it's important for people to get healthy. So, anyways, I'm sure that will be a firestorm of controversy, and who knows if it will ever happen, but uh, I think people really should decide to get healthy on their own. All right, and then finally into Sunday, plan, shop, and prepare day. i got a couple of nutrition questions. The first one is, what's the right percentage of carbohydrates and protein in your diet? And I'm not really sure why a person asked me this. I mean, there really is no right percentage. I mean, I just want people to focus on whole natural foods. You know, there's hardly anybody who needs more than 150 grams of protein per day, and probably that's even high. 
closer to 120 grams is, is going to be more than enough on a fat loss program. And the rest of your uh, di- uh, diet should come from fruits, vegetables, raw nuts, healthy oils, and then whole grain carbohydrates. It's pretty simple, very simple. And then the next question was, should I monitor slash keep track of daily calories if I want to drop weight, or should I just figure it out? And what I suggest is putting yourself through a two-week intensive nutrition education. And you're going to spend 10 to 14 days tracking your calories and learn everything you need to know about your calorie intake and how many calories are in the foods that you eat. And if you do this for 10 to 14 days, you'll probably find that even within three to five, you know 90% of what you need to know to last you for the rest of your life. You, you know, you'll know how many calories are in an orange, like 70 to 100, and you'll know how many calories are in a chicken breast, maybe about 120 grams, or sorry, 120 to 200 uh, calories, and you'll know this stuff, and you won't have to worry about it or try and learn it for the next 10 years because you went pretty hardcore for 10 to 14 days to learn all this stuff. So that's what I recommend you do, and then you'll be able to just figure it out as you go along. I don't track my calories at all, but I know exactly when I've eaten too much and when I haven't eaten enough over the course of a day. So get in tune with your body and do that little nutrition-intensive course for yourself, and you'll really benefit. So that's it for this week. I put a lot of information into this call Next week, I'm going to bring you uh, the rest of my workout for our training tips. I'm going to bring you a research review on post-interval nutrition because people are always asking what to eat after interval training, and we finally got a study on it. And we're going to talk about a video game workout study. And for nutrition, we're going to give you the fruits and vegetables with the fewest pesticides that don't necessarily need to be organic when you purchase them. So people are always asking which foods uh, or do they have to buy organic fruits and vegetables. And some things you should because of pesticides, and then some things you shouldn't, and we'll talk about the things you shouldn't, or you don't need to next week. But that's it for this week. I'm Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTraining.com and TTFatLoss.com. Hope you enjoyed this week's call, and I'm wishing you another seven days of amazing fat burning. Bye-bye, everyone.